Hey everyone, this is Brian Kirkner, and I'm joined as always by Carlos Marino. Hey, how's it going? And today we are going to talk about body language. Not dog body language this time, but people's body language. And how people inadvertently communicate the message to their dog that they don't want. So, a couple of examples that we want to talk about are trainers as well as clients, a uh, couple of which we've worked, uh, worked with recently. Um, Carlos, do you have a general statement about people's body language and what they're doing wrong or right in relation to their dogs? Yeah, basically people don't give their dogs enough credit when it comes to what they're projecting as far as their body language. Yes, dogs can read each other's body language, but they can also pick up on your body language. And whether or not you're saying the things that you think empower you, your body really tells a story. And it's hard for people to see exactly what they're doing unless they get feedback from a person or someone's videotaping them. So, But what we see a lot of times is people may have a mindset, but their body tells a different story, and it's usually weakness and passivity. And so is there any reason you can think of why people don't pay attention to that, but we can read it in other people? I mean, you can, you can look at someone and, and say, huh, that guy looks a little shady. Or you can look at someone and say, wow, she looks really insecure. Why aren't, why aren't you, can you give me a, you know, one, one school of thought on why, uh, why people don't notice this in themselves? I think a little bit has to do with denial, right? Um, a little bit has to do maybe with upbringing. Maybe you played uh, sports, but they were non-contact sports. Maybe you were physical at one point in your life and someone said that's bad and you shied away from it but I don't know I don't know there's so many variables um, and then I also think people are being shamed uh, especially maybe men men are be, be being shamed into hey you don't want to come across this way because it uh, maybe projects arrogance or cockiness or, or dominance. dominance and so we've gotten into a situation where people slouch and if you're tall and you feel misplaced and set apart because you're tall you see this a lot uh, well I did anyway when I was in school tall people start to slouch and and what does that signify to a dog well to a dog especially it's weakness it's uh, this this does not look healthy is what is is, is my, my opinion is what's going on in the dog's brain and so when a dog sees Something that doesn't look uh, doesn't look confident, or doesn't look stable, or doesn't look healthy. What are their what are their choices for likely response to that kind of body language? Well, it's not just dogs, but I, you see this in if you watch these African documentary shows. It's mammals in general. They respond to health. You got you're either a healthy animal or you're sickly and you're on your way out, and maybe your uh, food source. Or maybe you're sick and you need to get away from the from the group because you're uh, a vulnerable member. But it, it, it's really almost black and white. It's either you are healthy and know what's going on and I can trust you either as a leader or I can trust you to be a part of my pack. Or there's something going on with you and you're unstable and unhealthy. And that unhealthy and unstable energy that they're projecting, even if they're not saying anything, needs to be addressed. It needs to be resolved in the dog's mind. So it's going to come in a, a various forms. It's going to be, I'm going to protect you because you're weak. If you're my owner, obviously I live with you, meaning the dog lives with you, so they're not going to be able to you know, replace you. So they're going to make that decision, that determination. Well, I guess I have to step up because you look weak. 
uh, insecure, unstable, and, but you're part of my pack and I'm forced to be with you. So yeah, I'm going to, again, step up and be the protector. And that's where you get a lot of issues, right? Or if they don't know you and you're a stranger and you're still projecting weird energy, still, they may be curious, but they could become a little bit fearful, which could uh, basically produce an unwanted result, right? So we always tell people, watch your body language at all times. Awesome. Okay, so, but this is one of the reasons why people call us, why they have so much, uh, so many behavior challenges with their dog, right? Is because when we get there, when we see them with their with their animals, we see their body language, and we know right away this is absolutely a part of the problem, right? Absolutely, absolutely. The mind tells the body, and the body takes cues from the mind, and and you'll see it all the time if. If you are not comfortable speaking in public and you're told to give a presentation, your body language and, and inevitably your voice will, will show that you're uncomfortable. Imagine being a stand-up comedian and you're nervous. Your jokes will not work no matter how funny, right? So you have to have a little bit of uh, practice and you have to be comfortable and allow yourself to put your body out there and stand I would say strong, shoulders back, head up, right? Not shying away, and especially if you have a dog, don't let them impose on you, especially like when they're jumping. We had a client, uh, Brian, that you worked with that showed poor body language. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's been so many. Um, but one of, the, one of the ones that I remember more recently is, uh, is I walked into a uh, client's home and the dog jumped on, on me, I think, once or twice. And I, I gave it, I gave it a, a, a chance just to see what his, in, his intention was when he put his paws on me. And there wasn't any intention to, to dominate me, to put a lot of pressure on me, to, you know, to tell me that he was trying to challenge me. But this, uh, but this dog, he got a correction from me, just a, a really sharp sound. Um, and that was it. He didn't challenge me, uh, challenge me for the rest of the day. But then when he was insecure, he kept going back to his, uh, his owner, more the, more the wife than the, than the husband or the kid who was there. But he certainly went back to jumping on the, on the wife and she had, you know, just, she was so hunched over and so fearful. Oddly enough, she was in some kind of human psychology field. Um, so maybe that, uh, her job affects affects her her body language and what she thinks of herself but yeah it was one of those things where I was working just as hard to uh, to to teach them about how to work with their dog and what commands to give and and um, and you know those sorts of things as I was in telling her that she needs to look like she's in she's in charge of the situation and we had another one uh, just the other day where the dog, they, the clients told me that the dog was biting them and aggressive. And so as I was taking notes, uh, I thought, okay, this might be a bit of a challenge. Um, and then I said, well, how old is the dog? And she said, nine weeks. Right. And I thought, okay, now you and I have seen once or twice a few very young pups that are, that, you know, are dominant and, and very stubborn and hard to work with and don't take verbal or physical corrections. So it's not out of the realm of possibility for a nine-week-old puppy to be seriously problematic but then we met these people the other day and the pup was just so soft and so gentle and so responsive and so respectful but we saw a video and the pup was you know yanking at the people's uh, people's clothes and snapping at them when they were trying to correct it a video they sent you yes yes i'm sorry a video they had uh, they had sent us after the fact 
And, you know, we saw the, uh, the owner trying to correct the dog and the way he moved his hands to try and offer a physical correction was very weak and it was very tentative. There was no confidence in, in how he was moving and also his voice didn't demonstrate any confidence or, or real and in, real intention. And to, to us, you know, maybe it's who we are or maybe it's because we've trained ourselves this way. It's so easy to read that body language and to say, okay, this is where you need to start. Oh, dog owner, change your body language, change your intention to show the dog that you mean business, that you're confident that you're showing leadership in dog terms. Yeah. It's hard for me to comment on this because I find it so amusing and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to be disrespectful, but man, it's such a cute dog, such a cute dog, almost as soft as like a bunny. Yeah. Just really soft. And, and, and you, you mean soft temperamented, not the fur was soft. Both. <laughs> very soft to the touch, very soft temperamented. And I think when we posed a little bit of a challenge with our bodies and our voices, it, it went run, right underneath the car. Because we were working, we were working outside, and he wanted to be under something, right? So that's not what we consider an authentic, aggressive dog that wants to challenge. But when they sent the video after the fact, what I saw was a puppy that had a lot of energy that was just trying to roughhouse, right? So, being that there was there were no other dogs or puppies or puppies, uh, uh, litter mates, and that sort of thing. I saw the dog just wanting to challenge. Maybe it hadn't been exercised, walked. Uh, I think I think there's a couple of things that's going on here. The puppy is doing what puppies do. Right. Sometimes they mouth. Sometimes they pull on things. Sometimes they growl. It's all play, right? They're trying to prepare themselves for adulthood. 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 And they also want to interact and know what their limitations are. And if there were other dogs around, it would be educated, right? It would be educated right away. Right. But the guy, I don't think, could discern, well, I'm not sure if the woman could either, and the couple, I'm not sure if they could discern the difference between a puppy that is challenging them and roughhousing and a puppy that might potentially be dangerous. I don't know that they could tell the difference, so I think they were coming from a place of fear. And, and that's what showed in their body language. Yeah, definitely. They were they yeah. looked very fearful and, and tentative. And the original uh, contact I had with them through an email, like I said, before I knew the age of the dog, I thought, oh, okay, this might be, uh, might be a real challenge for, and I don't mean this in a boastful way, but I was thinking this might be a real challenge for us. This sounds like a pretty problematic dog. But then when we met the dog, learned that it was only nine weeks old, and responded so well to to both me and Carlos and and our just quick dominance and I think I gave this puppy one maybe two you know kind of soft medium corrections to let it know I didn't want it going into this mud puddle again or I didn't want it um, you know too close to to Vivian it was claiming something yeah yeah, yeah it, was, it was he was trying to to get up in Vivian's face to claim face too much excuse me and um, and that would lead towards uh, towards humping some dominant behavior that that she certainly didn't want. Mm. And so we corrected the puppy, and he responded so well and was so soft and easygoing after that. Well, he was avoiding after a while. He yeah. was just avoiding, which is it's a, it's a that's a choice. Yes, people may say, "Oh, poor dog," but it's it's a healthy choice. It's it's for them kind of to give themselves a time out and process process what's going on. Right. Yes, yeah, it's it's a, it's a completely valid choice for these guys to remove themselves from the situation. By choice, you know, it's showing self-control to say, I'm not, I'm no longer looking for trouble. I'm no longer looking yeah. for challenge. At no point in time, by the way, it's important for people to illustrate, at no point in time are we yanking or pulling on anything. This is, they have open space. 
and we're surrounding them and just observing and being responsible dog owners. So we're using our body language, our, our touch, our, our sounds, which is part of our body, um, to basically create boundaries and educate the puppy on what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. So we're not yanking and pulling and that sort of thing that you sometimes see a lot when people don't want to use their body to uh, uh, step up and um, make a statement. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, those are some client uh, client example and, and some some professionals, so-called professionals examples. And we will call them out by name because we we want to educate people the right way and the wrong way to do something. And the wrong way to train a dog is through poor body language as displayed by someone like Victoria Stilwell, as displayed by um, Zach George. Yeah. Um, I can't think of the other guy's name that we that we discussed. Uh, Robert Cabral was less about body language and more about um, uh, Jeff. Uh, can't think of his last name, but anybody anyway. This Jeff guy, he was too switched off in his body language, and he was more about using his voice in such a way that he was directing it towards the people. And all I could all I could sense when I was watching this guy and listening to him was frustration, anger, irritability, and that's not how you want to you want to work with your dog. So in a, in a sense, uh, sound also comes along in with uh, with body language. Um, but you want to talk about one of one of these trainers that we've that well, we've seen. Well, here's what I see because I met with a a trainer close to my oh, right. to where I lived and he had a lot of military background. And what does that mean? That means there's a lot of structure, which is good, but a lot of it is marking a place and providing a uh, reinforcement of some kind, whether it's a treat or click or noise. But again, there's very little body, um, physical body presence. And so I asked uh, this person, I said, what happens when you your, your dog or dog you're handling escalates and they get excited, uh, they call it aroused. What do you do when you have trained them and conditioned them to, to respond to treats. How do they respect treats when they're worried about a life and death situation from another person that might be perceived as a threat, another dog? What do you do? And they proceeded to say, well, I have a slip lead on and I will, he basically said he will choke a dog until they wear themselves out. And so there's so, so you have people even that are trained in canine behavior, uh, military canine background that just don't want to get hands-on, don't want to use their body. I don't consider yanking on a leash using your body. Okay, I think I think that sometimes sends a confusing message to the dog. Yeah, they're, they're providing a punishment by using the leash and snapping it or pulling it or yanking it or choking a dog out, but I don't know that you can grow a bond that way. But I, the question I have to you, Brian, is... We see this, there's a big divide between people who say, yeah, it's okay to use your body, it's Caesar Milan type, right? right. Very, very good about body presence, uh, using his, even his feet, feet, arms, whatever. He'll bump in. Um, and then you have people who are very much tools, the tools, the tools, the tools, the tools. Uh, what I'm trying to figure out, how much of it is uh, not ego, but how much of it is fear? How much does fear play into it? Because uh, let's face it, no one wants to get bit. But isn't that part of owning a dog? Is whether or not 
you understand your dog's limits and know what kind of dog you have so that you're comfortable? I mean, I would never, I guess, buy a car right. and not know if it had good braking power, not know... How well it drives in the snow. Yeah, how if, if that was what I needed, testing out, make sure it had four-wheel drive, make sure the tires were good. And, and how, how do you test if the brakes are good? Yeah. You step on them hard. Right. So... I, I'm starting to see with the, the divide here between dog people that don't want to be hands-on and those that just... I'm, I'm sensing that a lot of it has to do with just plain old fear. No one wants to teach you something that they don't want to do because they're fearful of. So they'll just shame it, right? They'll yeah. say, oh, no, that's an old way of doing things and that's mean. And they'll just shame you down and try to promote um, their theories. But the reality is... Dogs don't really respond naturally that way, and we're about speaking, speaking like a dog uh, with our with our voice, but also our body language, and so that's what we're trying to convey. But it's hard when people are fearful, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad you you worded it that way because it really does kind of kind of round out the topic that people are fearful of looking like they're going to hurt their dog or looking like they're going to be mean to their dog or looking like they're going to break their dog's spirit if they raise their voice to it or which is sometimes effective um or if they you know seem intense with their dog or if they actually give it a physical correction and so they're fearful of you know being perceived a certain way and so their body is going to show that they're going to look tentative they're going to look fearful they're certainly not going to look confident or look like they have control of the situation and so the dog sees that, reads that, and says, you know what? I can't trust this. I don't need to respect it. I'm going to either ignore it, run away, or challenge. And that's why we have so many, so many problems with, uh, with, with dogs and dog ownership in, in this country. And, and I do want to add that even though we are pro, I guess you want to call it physicality, right? We also want to make sure people are safe, okay? So... If you want to start small and your biggest thing is, man, I've never been bitten before, so it's paralyzing me and I don't even want to try these things. Well, you know, wear gloves, uh, uh, buy a muzzle, whatever the, the, the key, whatever you need to finally get to where you need to be to know your dog's limits. Exactly. And to, and to make sure your dog doesn't test you and challenge you like the, the client you had. He was fearful of pushing back and so he would... You would sense the frustration in his voice, and he was a tall guy. Mm -hmm. But when it came to placing his hands on the dog, it looks like something like a soft leaf falling from the tree in the fall, just very gentle, back yeah. and forth. Man, it was so it was so smooth. I thought I was watching something in slow motion. Yeah, yeah he he would have been rougher playing with play doh or kneading bread or something. Yeah, it was yeah. way too soft. So what that, what happens? The the puppy is hearing something, but. Picking up a whole nother message, which is this person's a little bit weak, a little bit fearful. And the dog's like, you know what? I'm going to pick on you like your prey. <laughs> and I'm going to keep chewing on you like your prey. Because after all, I'm a puppy. I have a little bit of energy. But you're not really setting any boundaries. So I'm going to pick on you because that's what animals do. They pick on each other until there's a reaction. They pick on each other until they get disciplined by the, you know, the uh, older, more uh, mature dogs or pack animals. It's just nature, so you have to play along and, and make sure that you understand that you have to use your body sometimes. Right, and, and in this day and age, it's so easy to take out your phone and film yourself. 
Absolutely. So you you know if you're not sure if you say, well, I'm not sure what I look like, just pull out your phone. Oh, take or your friend. Of yeah. yeah, yeah. Have your friend or your spouse film you doing this and look look back at it and be honest with yourself and realize, okay, do I look confident there? You know, yes or no. And same goes with with trainers. You watch these people on TV or their or their YouTube videos, and please, you know, check out ours too and tell us what you think of our body language as well. But look at these videos and see, does someone like Victoria Stilwell, does she look confident when she's handling a big dog, a dog who's pulling her, a dog that she just had to pull a, pull a muzzle on, a dog who's excited, a dog who's jumping on her? Does, turn, does the, the method of turning your back on a dog who's jumping on you, does that look like a confident body language, a, a way to demonstrate to a dog that you're in charge? So... You know that's a that's a, a fairly simple um, concept and and hopefully a simple fix for people to to realize. Yeah, I can I can do better at this than I than I am, and this is the proof yeah. of it. And it's something that I can share from my personal experience about body language is, you think about a basketball game. Now I I was a player, a coach, and a referee, and I can tell you that in all three, I guess you would say disciplines. Sure, body language is huge. If, I, if you're going to uh, attack the paint, as they say, and you have to box out, you have to be physical, or you know you'll get boxed out. And it's yeah, completely, absolutely. it's completely within the rules for somebody to you know, use their weight against you and box you out, uh, post you up, and basically back you up, and so they have a, an easy two points. So the coaches now would hey, be aggressive down there, well, hold your ground, you right. know. Um, likewise, um, if you're a coach. And you exhibit poor body language and you're seen as a leader, you know, your players may not really take to heart what you're saying. But probably the best example I can use is when I started training to be a referee, even before we understood all the many rules, because there's a lot, we kept getting hammered over and over about stand up straight, have good body posture. When you're running, keep your head up. Right. When right. you make a call and it's a foul, for example, hold your arm this way, firm, right. up there, up top. Make a big pres uh, uh, d demonstrative, uh, confident gesture, okay? Because if I'm a referee and I'm in charge of making calls that could affect the game, and I'm weak and I have a unsure body language, people are going to rag rag on me. And but, the they're, coach, but yeah. they're more likely to challenge you. They're more likely to challenge me. And heck, and people know this from if they have kids and they've gone to any basketball game that's a, sc a scholastic or otherwise. Oh yeah, even the parents will challenge you. Right, and and that's a that's a great tie into this because although playing sports, playing basketball, football, whatever, is not working with a dog, but it's really the same thing in that you're working with another creature who will challenge you if you don't take control of the situation. And so while we're raising a pup or we bring a new dog into our into our household, we need to make sure that they understand what the hierarchy is in the pack. That I'm in charge of you. And that I have no problem challenging you in return and winning every challenge in order to keep you safe, in order to keep the pack safe. So this isn't just about, um, you know, being being dominant and, and, you know, controlling your dog all the time and all this all this hard nosed stuff that people think non-positive reinforcement people trainers do. This is about safety first and foremost. And so if we're in charge of our dogs, we know and they know that they're safe. Yeah, absolutely. Now, all I would add to that is really go back and see all the Caesar Milan stuff. Oh, he yeah. was very good uh, episode in and episode out about his body. And he's a short guy. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that's actually an interesting point, is a smaller statured person is going to have a tough time convincing others through body language that he's very confident and very very self-assured yeah. and will not be challenged. So, you know, take that into into um consideration as well when you're when you're working with your dog and trying to figure out how to present strong positive body language to your dog yeah and, and who knows it can help you in other facets of your life as well because these things apply sure. across the board yeah. and we just we just don't see it because you know we don't look at ourselves when we're looking at something else or another person or another animal in this case a dog so yeah have somebody film you and you'll be surprised what you see yep so uh that wraps up uh, up this discussion on body language. Um, we hope you enjoyed listening. Please like us uh, and go to Facebook and follow us. Um, let us know if you have any questions or comments. And as always, feel free to uh, go to our website and com comment to us, gooddogworkshop.com, uh, and call us or text us directly at 703-489-1319. We look forward to hearing from you. Okay, thank you, Brian. Thanks very much, everyone. <laughs>